And um, I want us to look at really just one verse here. Um, we're going to continue our study tonight on the subject of faith. And I was actually doing some writing this week on the subject of faith. And you, know, you, you start trying to even just review faith and its importance. You realize what a vast subject it is. But it's not just a vast subject. It's a vastly important subject. When you consider the role that faith plays in the life that God created us to live. And um, we do what we do for God by faith. We receive what God has for us to receive for Him by faith. We walk in the fullness of who we are in Christ by faith. Um, and we just, we just go on and on with the importance of it. Um, God does nothing apart from faith. And um, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Hebrews eleven six. He that comes to God must believe that God is, must believe not not an option, must believe that he is, must believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so, you know, the list goes on and on. To kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about tonight is we're, we're talking about the faith that God has given us to develop and to use to receive uh, from him, uh, to receive the blessings that um, he has for us. Jesus, in one of his greatest lessons on the subject of faith, he spoke to a fig tree and cursed it. And when the disciples came back past it the next day, the fig tree had dried up from the roots. Peter was in amaze, uh, was in, amazed by that and in awe about that. And Jesus simply said, have faith in God or have the faith of God. Because you can say to the mountain, be cast into the sea, and the mountain will obey you. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So when we talk about faith, you know, like people, and I don't have a problem with this, I'm just trying to narrow our focus tonight. Someone says, um, you know, I shared my faith with a coworker. Well, what, what they usually mean by that is they, they shared with a coworker what they believe about Jesus or maybe witnessed to them, shared the gospel message with them. All that's wonderful and beautiful. So again, when we talk about faith, it could mean many different things. Tonight, I'm talking specifically about uh, you receiving, me receiving, um, how to use the faith that God has given us, develop the faith that God has given us to receive from Him and you know, move the mountains that may exist in your life. Things like healing, financial breakthrough, um, faith for uh, a situation maybe in your family or with a troubled child, or uh, the list goes on. But again, faith is how we connect with the unseen realm of the spirit and appropriate the resources that are in that realm uh, that are freely given to us. So. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Um, let me read it to you first from the... Um, I'm going to read it from the New King James Version first. It says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you 
also. Um, Let me read the same passage to you tonight from the King James Version. I'll put it up on the screen. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Now, in the New King James Version, the word unfeigned is broken down and is replaced with the word genuine, which, again, is a, is a valid translation, translation. But unfeigned faith is the opposite of feigned faith. And feigned faith um, is, again, you know, something that we need to look into and understand. So I'll come back to that. Let me finish. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that uh, is in thee also. So this is the introduction to Paul's second letter to um, his uh, young uh, uh, pastor and Paul was like a father in the faith to Timothy, and Timothy was pastor of the church there in Ephesus. And, and um, when uh, Timothy first began to pastor, the church was a megachurch, and, and you read that in 1 Timothy and, and the instructions that were given. But now, you know, Caesar is coming against the Christians, and just as the church was filling up at such a rapid rate, now it's emptying out. And you can read the different instructions and words of encouragement and calls to action that the Apostle Paul gave to uh, young Timothy and, and as a pastor. But notice that he begins this second letter, which is a letter to encourage him to, to stay the course. And he begins by commending him of the unfeigned faith that um, is in him. And notice there is a, a family. Uh, Rick Renner says God calls families. And um, it, you see that, you know, Timothy's mother and Timothy's grandmother uh, were both women of faith, um, genuine faith, or as it says here, unfeigned faith. Now, I want to ask you tonight to... Just be patient, have an open heart. We're going to talk about some things that have a, uh, a potential to be sensitive and um, even offensive to some, and I'm not certainly wanting to offend you tonight. But I've been wrong in my life before and didn't know that I was, and uh, I didn't like that. And the Bible talks about three kinds of deception. Um, that's when the devil deceives you, when another person deceives you, or when you deceive yourself. Keith Moore made a statement a few weeks back that really stuck out to me. He said, if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. And that's the problem with deception. We don't recognize that we are being deceived when we are. And in our day and age, when we start talking about faith, and people believing God, individuals believing God, it's almost as if we have to pretend like everyone is a faith ninja, that everybody is just 
absolute master at believing God and nobody ever gets it wrong when it comes to faith. Everybody gets it right 100% of the time and if the prayer's not answered, if some breakthrough doesn't come, it's certainly not because there was an issue with our faith and so we start to blame God and everybody else, right? And so I'm trying to ease into this tonight. But based upon this passage... If Paul commended Timothy for having unfeigned faith, it goes without saying that some would have the opposite of that, which would be feigned faith. Now, the New King James, again, takes this word and breaks it down using the word genuine because that's a word more appropriate to how we would speak. But I think there's value in understanding this word feigned. And it simply means simulated or pretend. Simulated or pretend. Y'all are getting really quiet on me. That's okay. Amen. So he basically is saying to Timothy, Timothy, the faith that I have witnessed in you is the real thing. It's genuine. It's not simulated faith, nor is it pretend faith. Which is, of course, what we all desire. Amen? I desire to have genuine faith. Not pretend faith. Not simulated faith. But the real McCoy. Now, as important as faith is in our lives, I think it's worth the effort to dig into this a little deeper. In other words, it would be pretty prideful, pretty arrogant of us to just assume that our faith is genuine and is not into this category of simulated or pretend faith. Now, simply saying that you are believing God doesn't necessarily mean that you are. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Simply saying that you are in faith about something doesn't mean you are in faith about something. So follow the statement tonight. You can believe you are believing God and actually be deceiving yourself. Because to be deceived is to believe something to be true that's not. Now, There's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ when it comes to the subject of faith. And that's strategic on the part of our enemy. Because whether or not we understand the importance of faith, I guarantee you he does. Now, the Bible says in Romans 12 that God has given to every person the measure of faith. 
And the devil cannot steal that faith from you, but what he does try to do is to keep you from ever hearing the Word of God that would activate that faith, because faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. We also see that there are some other components, and we'll get into this in the days ahead, but we see that there are some other necessary components with faith, because faith is not a standalone uh, force or product of the Spirit, but faith is um, always to be understood in conjunction with um, its two power friends, and those power friends are hope and love. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, that word now abide, that word abide means these three belong together. So we see from Scripture that faith gives substance to what you hope for. Your hope, hope is a confident expectation of something good in the future. Just like faith is based upon the Word of God, hope, true hope is also, genuine faith is based upon God's Word. Genuine hope is also based upon God's Word. Remember, Abraham had hope when there was absolutely no physical, logical reason for him to have hope. He hoped against hope. His hope was based upon God promised him. So because God promised him, he had hope that it would one day come to pass even though his situation in the natural was hopeless. So he had hope in face of hopelessness not because anything around him gave him hope, but because God spoke those words to him, he had hope. Are you following me? Now, the reason hope is so important is because faith is an unseen spiritual force that works to make manifest or to produce in reality what you hope for in your heart. Are you with me? Now, I began this portion of the teaching saying that the devil can't steal your faith. So what is he going to do? Number one, he's going to try to keep you from ever hearing the word. Or if you hear the word, he's going to try to steal that word from you. It's like seed in the soil. Faith is the soil. The word of God is the seed. And if the seed and soil remain separated, then the potential that the seed has will, will never be realized. The potential that the soil has to produce the seed will never be realized. So there's a dynamic that exists between the Word of God and the faith that's in your heart that is uber-powerful, that the devil is extremely scared of you ever understanding and, and, and learning how to grow and work in, develop in. So what does he do? He tries to steal the Word from you. He tries to steal hope from you because if there's no hope, there's nothing for your faith to produce, nothing for it to give substance to. But it's not just now abides faith and hope. Now abides faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. Galatians 5, 6 tells us that love fuels your faith. Love is to your faith what gasoline is to your automobile. So you can have the best automobile in the world, but if you have no gasoline for it, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to produce what, what it could otherwise produce and benefit you the way it could otherwise benefit you in your life. Are you with me so far? So the enemy is trying to neutralize your faith by stealing the Word of God from you, by, by making things appear hopeless, and you know, the world says don't get your hopes up. And then also, of course, through different offenses, unforgiveness, and there was attacking you in the area of you loving others as an act of your will. Because, again, he can, he can 
keep the fuel source from your faith, and again, your faith isn't going anywhere or producing anything. Now, we're going to talk about that. I know we kind of dug into it there more than I'd planned to. We're going to talk about that in, in the days ahead. But just simply saying out of your mouth that you believe are believing or that you're in faith um, doesn't necessarily mean that you are. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to offend you tonight. Given the importance of this, we need to examine ourselves here. So genuine faith, if you're taking notes, write this down. Genuine faith is a function of the heart. Pretend faith is a function of the head, the brain. Okay? Now, I don't want to confuse you. There's several layers to this. To get in faith and to remain in faith, we have to bring our thoughts into captivity and make them bow their knee to and obey, thus saith the word of the living God. So your thoughts and thinking do play a very important role in the faith process in your life. But true faith, genuine faith, as opposed to the pretend or simulated kind, is something in the heart. Romans 10 says, For with the heart man believeth. So true faith is a function of the heart. And let me just say, we, we don't know a lot about that sometimes. It's, that's a mystery to a lot of people. But pretend faith, simulated faith, is something that we try to produce or generate with our, with our head, with our brain. When, when we lost our heart connection with God, when Adam sinned and fell, we lost our heart connection with God, which we were never meant to, to have our hearts disconnected from God. We were never meant to try to live life that way. And so in the same way that, let's say, someone loses their, their sight, one of their physical senses, they try to compensate for the loss by substituting another one of their senses in its place. So someone loses their ability to see, they learn to read with their sense of touch. So in the same way, when we lost our heart connection with God, we substituted in place of our heart our brain. It's a poor substitute. It's the best one we got, but it's still a poor substitute because, first of all, faith is a function of the heart, not the brain. But your brain is primarily an organ of survival. That's why anything associated with true, genuine faith, your brain is going to deem as a risk. It's going to say, oh, hold on a second here. You really think you ought to write that tithe check? You've got a pretty big power bill coming towards the end of the month. Now, don't get mad at your brain for doing that. Your brain's just doing its job. Your brain's trying to protect you. Your brain's trying to help you, okay? But again, that's what makes it a poor substitute for the heart. Courage. 
comes from the heart. Faith, a function of the heart. So one of the main ways for us to recognize the difference between genuine faith and pretend or simulated faith is that genuine faith is something in the heart of a man or a woman. Pretend faith is just something we're trying to produce in our minds. Let me try to say this a different way tonight. And I'm going to put it up on the screen. There is a huge difference between being convinced and trying to convince yourself. We're getting somewhere now if you, if you want to go there with me. There's a huge difference between being fully convinced. One of the definitions that we see of Abraham's faith is that he was fully persuaded, fully convinced. Remember what Jesus said, if you believe in your heart and do not doubt. See, pretend faith, simulated faith in our mind is where we're trying to get to a place in our mind to where we believe more than we doubt. Right? And we want to call that faith. That's not faith. Faith is being fully persuaded, fully convinced in your heart. Your mind, your brain is still going to try to override you. This is where, you know, taking those thoughts captive and not letting them linger to contaminate what you believe in your heart, sway your focus off of what God has said back to the way things look, seem, and feel. I'm getting ahead of myself. So there is that element to faith. But again, that's getting the cart before the horse. There's a huge difference between being convinced and trying to convince yourself. Remember the father in the Scriptures who had the son that was demon-possessed? And, and he said... First of all, he said to Jesus, if you can do anything, help my boy. See, I'm trying to show you how this guy was all over the map. And I'm not judging him. Let's learn from him. His story was recorded for us to learn from. Jesus said, it's not about whether or not I can do it. It's whether or not you can believe it. See, we, we keep, you know, see, that's, the, that's the game our heads will play with us. That's the mental gymnastics of pretend simulated faith that our brains will, pl will play with us, right? And, and all of a sudden now it's like because we're faith ninjas, it just wasn't God's will for our boy to be helped on, on this particular day and the disciples couldn't help him and all this stuff. And Jesus is just like trying to engage this man in a conversation to help bring him to a place of being fully convinced so he can basically work in this man's life. And so Jesus says, it's not about whether or not I can do it, it's whether or not you can believe. And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. I heard Jesse Duplantis say it this way. He said, the man should have said, I believe, but I, I, I'm having trouble believing. Would you help me in spite of my unbelief, right? Would you have some mercy on me here, Jesus? And clearly Jesus did. So notice that he's not fully convinced 
and he had enough humility about him to admit it. I believe, sort of. <laughs> Help the part of me that doesn't believe. Help me get there, Jesus. So if we could just establish this biblical standard, genuine faith is being fully convinced in your heart. Pretend faith is trying to convince your mind. Am I the only one that's ever been in that position? Maybe I ought to just be having this conversation with myself in my office again. Uh, I've already had it a couple of times with myself and the Holy Spirit. Genuine faith is being fully convinced in your heart. Pretend faith is trying to convince your brain, your mind. See, this is, this, is the, this is the error that I think, or the lack of understanding that has led to the error that I think, I, I just, I'll talk about me and you, you learn whatever you can learn, okay, that I've made. It's, it's, it's one of the gross misunderstandings, I think, that exists in the body of Christ today when it comes to faith. We, we think of faith because... So much of what we do in life, we do with our brain. And so we think we can do faith with our brain. You can't. See, this is why I told you last week that our faith is based upon a person. God the Father, Jesus His Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Our, there's no such thing as blind faith. See, again, that's mental gymnastics. That's pretend faith. If we just tell ourselves, well, we'll just, you know, I heard somebody say one time, faith is when you get to the edge of the cliff, just keep running. Well, I hope you got life insurance. Because that's not faith. Well, you just got to take a leap of faith. There's no such thing. Genuine faith is not blind. See, let, let, me, let, me, let me try to help you here. David was not scared of Goliath one iota. There was zero fear. In, if there had been one ounce of fear in David's heart, Goliath would have probably eaten him alive. And I'm not, just, I'm not exaggerating. See, we think David was all just freaking out, scared out of his mind, legs wobbling. Oh, God, Jesus, help me, God, Jesus, please. No, no. Remember, David had spent probably at this point thousands of hours in the presence of God playing on his harp and singing of the love of God, of the power of God, of the faithfulness of God. He had so fed his measure of faith with the things of God in the presence of God that when he walked up into the midst of that situation with all the armies of God hiding in foxholes, scared out of their minds to go face Goliath, little shepherd boy David, not to mention he'd been anointed by the Holy Spirit, by the prophet, right? He walks up in the midst of all of that and he is like, why in the world, what is going on up in here? Why does somebody not go shut that idiot up? See, he was fully convinced. He didn't play mental gymnastics. 
when thoughts came, because the devil's going to bring the thoughts, that giant's going to kill you, boys. That giant's not going to kill me. No more than that bear was going to kill me. No more than that lion was going to kill me. That Notice, so as he drew closer to actually... See, see he didn't act on faith when he, when, he, when he swung the slingshot. His first action of faith was when he got the rock. What happens when you act on faith? More faith comes. He didn't just get one rock. You say, well, you know, in case he missed. <laughs> he got multiple rocks because Goliath had brothers. Are you hearing me? He wasn't just going to kill Goliath. He was just going to go kill Goliath's family. And by the time he got out on the battlefield, he said, let me tell you what I'm fixing to do. I'm fixing to feed the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air. He wasn't being cocky. There was something inside of him called faith, fully convinced. You ever walked up on a friend who was struggling to figure something out, to do something that you could do? Happens a few times a week now with my brother Jason Peavy. He's a computer genius, I'm a computer rookie. So you're sitting there trying to figure it out. Somebody who knows walks up and says, no, no, just flip that switch right there. Duh. That was, that was David when he walked up there that day. Now again, I got ahead of myself, but I'm trying to show you the measure of faith that he had was no different, at least initially, than the measure of faith that was in every person present. I believe, now some would disagree with me vehemently, I believe even the Philistines were given the measure of faith by God to believe. Were there not, did Rahab not believe God? <laughs> she acted in, she, right, she heard that faith by hearing developed. When the spies came, she hid them, risked her life. You follow what I'm saying? Traitor to her country. She could have been hung for treason. Faith, 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 faith. Faith to faith, praise God. All right, so let's get back now. So the only difference was David had developed his faith. He had used his faith. He had fed his faith. So he was fully convinced. He wasn't choking back panic. I mean, this was like, Remember when God said, he said, they would be bread to you. <laughs> we say it this way, piece of cake. Some of you know this, Matthew's an electrical engineer. He does things every day that are a piece of cake to him that would be impossible for most every other person in this room. It's because that part of him is something he has a gift in that area, but it's also stuff that, that he's developed. He's fed it. He's applied himself. He didn't start developing things that were patented, but he got there. Faith is the same way. So David walks up. Everybody else is in a panic. Everybody else has chewed their fingernails to the blood. And, and David is like, 
Why are y'all acting like this? That man is an uncircumcised heathen. He has no covenant with God. We all have a covenant with the only true and living God. All you got to go down. Then he heard that no taxes, king's daughter and marriage, all this other stuff. He's like, sign me up. He wasn't trying to convince himself that he could do it. He was already convinced by faith that he could. Now, the measure of faith that you've been given is genuine faith. Romans 12 and 3 says God has dealt to every man, given to every human being the measure of faith. Jesus in Mark 11, when he said, have faith in God, one translation literally says, have the God kind of faith. So the faith that you have, the measure of faith that you've been given, who gave it to you? Where did it come from? God gave it to you. It came from Him. It is the God kind of faith. So you have within you tonight the measure of the God kind of faith. Think of the measure of faith you have as potential inside of you that must be developed and released. I misquoted this verse for years. I've I've quoted it as a measure of faith. New King James Version says a measure of faith. It's not accurate. It's the measure of faith. And you say, well, what's the difference between a and the? Everybody got the measure. Now, some folks that, like David, that day facing Goliath, his faith was highly developed, strong in faith, because he had been feeding it. He, He had been acting on it. He'd been using it. And it wasn't until the occasion of that situation that the huge, vast difference, even, I mean, his faith was far greater in, in strength and development than the king of Israel. Wow. So, Amen. I'm going to come back to some of these verses next week. I want to, I want to get you, though, to this question tonight, and I'll finish it right here. I know I'm about out of time. Are you getting anything out of this? I think the question we need to begin to ask ourselves is how do we develop our measure of faith? Right? How do we develop it? Well, it begins with hearing the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. As I've told you before, I'll tell you again. I do not believe, as some do, and that's okay. I'm not trying to be a rebel. I'm just trying to tell you what the Holy Spirit's told me. That the measure of faith is inside of us and it's activated when we hear the Word of God. It's awakened, it's aroused. I have no problem with faith cometh, but the word cometh is not in the original text. It's in italics in Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word cometh in italics. It was not in the original uh, language. The translators added it for readability. I have no problem with that as long as you understand where it cometh from. It doesn't fall out of the sky. The word of God calls it forth. The word of God brings it to the surface in your life. So developing your measure of faith begins with hearing the Word of God. Now, by hearing the Word of God, 
Oh, sweet Jesus. The word, the word word, W-O-R-D, comes from two different roots in the Greek, logos and rhema. Logos and rhema. And when we're talking about a rhema word of God, we're talking about, if I could just simplify, we're talking about the, the inspired spoken word. I'm, I'm, I'm not, please hear me now. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Just listening to the Bible on tape, do it. Your, your iPhone will, will do it for you for free. Uh, your smartphone, whatever. There's all, there's all kinds of ways for you to just listen to King James' message, tra- all these translations, just listen to them, listen to them, listen to them. That is absolutely, crucially, critically important. But, it, but listen to me, at some point, remember, the lepers heard about Jesus, but their faith took on a whole nother level when they heard directly from Him. So at some point, the Holy Spirit, you need, to, you need to allow Him to take something from this book and breathe on it till it glows red hot inside of you. Something grabs you. That's Him trying to speak to you. That's Him trying to take the, the Word of God. Now, listen to me please. This would include... Holy Spirit anointed preaching and teaching of the Word of God. It feeds your faith. It would include what we did tonight, worship, as long as there's a lot of worship out there that's bad doctrine. Or if you singing about gloom, despair, and agony on me and calling it God's will, then that's not going to build your faith. That's as you've heard Matthew say it for years now. In praise and worship, we're trying to get you to say certain things over yourself, over your life, to God, confessions of faith. He's a good, good father. Right? We sing that song here. We just go on and on. So even that, right, is you hearing. You, the corporate anointing, when we all come together and learn and grow together, again, there's no other, there's no, nothing else can take the place of what that does to your measure of faith when you actually show up here and in the presence of God, in the presence of other believers, the corporate anointing of God working among us, the Holy Spirit moving among us, preparing our hearts to receive a Word that has been custom-built, tailor-cut, tailor-made for this moment in your life. No substitute for it. So when we say hearing the Word of God, you know, I'm not just talking about it playing in the background, although there's, that's not a bad thing, but, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher, she, nobody ever understood what she was saying. No, no, no. It, at some point, it's got to be something that you're grabbing hold of and it's grabbing hold of you. There's got to be a connection and engagement there. So hearing, reading, confessing, meditating the Word of God. There is no substitute for this. This is where so many people try to take shortcuts. Amen or on me. Cut corners. Substitute formulas. Steps. 
or what I call the trappings of faith in place of the only things that will develop genuine faith in your heart. This is the part that people try to work around. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's go back to genuine faith, heart, pretend, simulated faith, brain. The only way to have the genuine faith is to take the measure of faith, which is genuine, and start feeding it. Start growing it. Start developing it. Start using it. Springing from faith, leading to faith. See, that's, that's effort. That's, that's laboring to rest. That's your work is to believe on Him whom God has sent. That's they didn't enter into what God had for them because of unbelief, because they did not mix faith with what they heard. This is the fight of faith. This is the fight of faith. Everything in you, everything around you, I say everything in you, in your mind, in your brain, hopeless, not going to work, impossible. Every time Abraham and Sarah looked in the mirror, the thought of them having children... Are you kidding me? So what did he do? He kept giving glory to God. Developing his faith. He went from laughing in God's face when God told him what he was going to do to being so fully persuaded that he had already received Isaac raised from the dead in his inner, the Bible says, received him in a figure. He had already seen it inwardly. So when he went to sacrifice Isaac, he said to the people he left, when he, he said, me and the boy will be back shortly. See, again, everybody's talking about it. Abraham, oh God, how are we going to do this? No, he, I believe he was disappointed when God stayed his hand. I believe, you can ask Abraham when you get to heaven, I believe Abraham saw himself killing Isaac, burning his body, and then God raising up a nation from the ashes. That's what I believe. It wasn't all this, oh, how are we ever going to do this? It's such a test. I can't believe God would ask me to do such a thing. No, none of that. Why? Because he was fully convinced, not trying to convince himself that it was going to be all right. There's a difference. How do you get to that fully convinced place? Hearing and hearing the Word of God. Hope, confident expectation, love, fueling the faith, taking those steps of faith, springing from faith, leading to faith. Amen. Stand with me tonight. I've got so much stuff to teach you. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Are you getting anything out of this? Let me give you a little clue. The woman with the issue of blood, read her story. It says that she said within herself, if I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. The Amplified Version says she kept on saying 
within herself. Every time, she, every time she confessed it, her faith was growing. Every time she confessed it, her faith was growing. She said within herself, what are you saying within yourself? Are you saying, I'll never, I can't make it, I can't do this, it's too hard. See, what is that feeding? That's feeding doubt and unbelief. You should be in the face of impossible situations feeding your faith with I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for the things that you're teaching us, the things that you are revealing to us. I thank you, Father, tonight for those who are present in this room, for those who will listen uh, and have watched along with us over the Internet, and those who will listen or watch this sermon in the future. I thank you, Lord, that no offense is intended and no, no offense will be received. But, Father, we'll humble ourselves and be willing to allow you to help us with the Holy Spirit to examine our faith, whether or not it's genuine or whether or not it's simulated or pretend. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I love you. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck. Love somebody in Jesus. We'll see you Sunday morning, if not before.